We believe that alcoholism is a disease and that Alcoholics Anonymous is one solution to that disease. I'm here to bring you the voices of its members. Everyone that comes on the show, including myself, is an active member and has found recovery in the rooms of AA. As you listen, please take what works for you and leave the rest. Hi, my name is Ashton and I am an alcoholic. My sobriety date is 2-2-22. I do have a sponsor and I speak with every day. I will start with who I am and how I kind of got here. So going back, I have two parents and a younger sister. And as a kid, I was a lucky kid. I had a good family. I had support and love. My dad was kind of strict, but I felt safe. I always had everything I needed. I had parents who loved me and who loved each other. Um, I, I, and I knew that. I knew I had a good family. And I knew that I was lucky. And uh, as a kid, knowing all that, of course, you're still going to want what you can't have. And my dad is East Indian and he's from, from India. And so he came over here when he was a young man. And my mom is Caucasian from Southern California. And, you know, so my dad's rules were a little stricter than my friend's dad's rules. And so there was a lot of things like I couldn't do, like spending the night and, you know, staying out past the streetlights coming out. Of course, that was an issue at the time, but that's about the extent of any negative or adverse feelings I had in the house. I was even probably borderline spoiled and so growing up was really good. We went on family trips. We did everything you would see on TV or whatever. So I was pretty lucky. And I always had a group of friends. I always had my best friend. And as a kid and a young teen, I always felt that I fit in. It wasn't until later when that separation started to grow or for me to notice, but I didn't really feel different than anybody else growing up. And so for me, you hear a lot of stories and you hear they were finally introduced to alcohol and that was what changed their life or that's the element to their life that they were missing. And I didn't even take my first drink of alcohol until I was 16. And even after that, that was the first drink and first drunk. And uh, it was we, my, a buddy came over. My parents were out of town. I was supposed to be staying with the neighbors, but the neighbor, she, she was really cool. And she's like, you can stay at your own house. If you want, you just got to check in with me. And so a buddy came over and we got really drunk just off this cheap vodka and it was fun. It was fun, but I paid for it the next day and I didn't really think I need to do this again or I've been missing out on this and, or this is what makes me feel whole or normal. It kind of was just an event that took place and uh, I didn't put any more weight on it at that time. I was pretty, uh, I was a good kid. I didn't really get in trouble too much 
just normal disagreements. And so childhood kind of went like that. And, I, you know, 16, obviously, that was the first time I was living at home. 17, 18, roll around. I'd had a few drinks here and there, but I, it was crazy. I couldn't, couldn't drink beer because it tasted so gross at the time. I remember trying and my buddies were drinking it and I would have whatever it was and I couldn't get it down for the life of me. I mean, I remember, I remember walking away and pouring some of it out and coming back and being like, yeah, that was good. And you know, trying to keep up or pretend even. And so, so that never really held with me. I mean, move on to the next event and try again. And as time went on, I'm still 16, 17 years old, still living at home, haven't started college yet, still unable to drink beer. And, you know, then then I would try a different vodka. And it was difficult. It was gross. It was gross. And it, it, it was hard going down. And you were always in these situations where you didn't have like a mixed drink or something because we're underage at some park and all you had was that one bottle and people are taking hit the drinks off it. And so I try and it just didn't want to stay down. And I was like, no, you know, I, I, I don't like this. So it didn't really hold. And then finally I finished high school and I went to Mexico on a senior trip with five buddies. This was the first time I can remember that, I don't know, it had been a year since I've even probably tried drinking before this time. And it was, you know, we could go to the bars, we could buy the alcohol, we didn't have to force it. And I don't know if that all just lined up to be the perfect situation, perfect scenario for me. But this is where I got to feel the effects of alcohol and enjoy the effects, whether it be drinking some beers and I could hold it. And that was pretty cool. I was excited about that. And and then we'd go to the bar and order a, a, a drink with um, either vodka or whatever. I don't even remember what it was, but it was it was a mixed drink. And, you know, then I was getting drunk. We got drunk on that trip five or six times and it wasn't too much. We were we were out there on this on on, on our own, and uh, that is where I felt amazing. We felt on top of the world at that time. We were by the beach. We had this rental home. We had all graduated high school, and then I had this buzz and this drunk that that just added to it. I just remember things around me almost just kind of glowing a little bit. You know, just that. Um, I don't know. It was amazing. And that's, that's where I realized I like this, but it wasn't that I need this still. This was a, this was a slow build with a lot of drinking events that took place before that switch was flipped for me. So we come back from the trip and now I'm starting college and I'm living in the dorm. So I finally got out of my parents' house. Not, I mean, that's when anyone would get out. But for me, it was, there are rules here. There are things that are going to be the way they are. And of course, here is now freedom. And so I move into the dorms and I wasn't ready to go to college. I should have went to a junior college. That's one of the things I always say, because the first three years there were completely wasted. 
that was where freedom got me and I could do whatever I wanted. And I had buddies. I, I, I didn't leave the town that I grew up in, which was Chico. And so I was going to Chico state and all my group from high school and from growing up there, you know, stayed as well. And I think out of that group, there was probably 10 or 11 of us. I was the only one at Chico state. The rest were either not going to school or doing a few junior college classes. So they were in a position to definitely enjoy themselves a lot more than I was, but I wasn't going to miss out. And so I kept that tempo and that pace and that buried me academically, but that was not my, that was not my main focus at the time. It was having fun and figuring out who I am, or I thought figuring out who I was. That was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, drink bar back then it was let's get jaeger two people to a fifth so there would be like five fifths of jaeger Uh, i had had a buddy that i worked with who was almost 30 and so that's how we got our alcohol all the time he would go pick it up i you know i'd go get it from him and i would drive over to my friend's apartment where 10 or 12 of us were there and we'd have five or six bottles of jaeger which sounds so disgusting right now today i mean even for the last 10 years it sounded disgusting but that is what it was and you just drink that thing as fast as you could and then we go out and i i mean i think back on those times and it's sad to say but it is true those were some of the most fun times i've ever had you know i mean just free drunk and like out with your best friends. And, and I, and I love that. I loved drinking with my friends. And so like anytime we had to then go to like a party or a bar, I had way less fun. That's when you had to like try and mingle or like talk to girls or whatever that, you know, that plan was. I liked when we were at home screwing around and just making jokes and getting drunk. And it was carefree. That was where I just loved. And so, you know, my favorite was either any of the daytime holidays, Cinco de Mayo, St. Patrick's Day, because in Chico, the town kind of shuts down for those. And everybody's out. And, and it was it gave me the excuse in my later years, my mid-20s, to drink at 11 a.m. And everyone else was, too. In my younger years, I hadn't really kicked into that gear yet, 18, 19, where we are right now, talking about these Jaeger nights and um, friend time. But as, as, as the picture moves on a little bit, as the story progresses, I, I think that was, <laughs> I like to say it was just because I got all my friends together and everyone was there for the same reason. And, it, you know, the sun was out and it just added this extra fun. But truth was, I was going to be drinking at 11, whether or not it was St. Patrick's Day. So cool that it was it still was very much drinking at this time you know new in college 18 19 even 20 that it was when my friends drank wasn't outside of the normal i didn't find myself craving it and i i spent days without drinking because that would change and so we move on i'm just having fun i'm young i'm not doing anything wrong at this time, I believe, and I, I still believe that ultimately, and that now I turn 21 and 
nothing changes, obviously, I just except for my age. But here's a time where it kind of starts to my actions are a little different. My thoughts are a little different. And I and I don't know where it flipped. It must have just been slowly building. It was just now on my way home from class on the days that I chose to go, I could stop and buy a six pack, walk it home, have a few beers. And still not too far out of the norm. And that slowly went on for a while, slowly. And I'm trying to think where I moved. So now, okay. So I moved from with my friend at this time and I moved into another apartment. I, and the reason I'm thinking of that out loud about the apartment is because I can picture the kitchen and the counter and that counter eventually, eventually had a half gallon of whiskey on it at all times. And I didn't even put it in the fridge. I had a two liter soda sitting out next to it, four days old, three days old, didn't care, just needed something to mix it with. And that was at this apartment now when I turned 22. And it it just happened one day, which is crazy to say, but it, it is, it, it really went from, I was just doing it to have fun like my friends did. And then one day, it switched and it, and I can't say, I, you know, of course it gradually switched. It, it went from having just a pint sitting out and the pint taking a day to drink to then just a fist sitting out. And, uh, I, I kind of remember the event that it was before I was just a social drinker and after I was drinking for a reason. And I, I went to Utah to visit a buddy and his parents drank pretty, pretty heavily and he could drink heavily, but he had, you know, he wasn't an alcoholic or anything. So he had his limits, but I remember I went there and I was there for a week and all I wanted to do was drink because there, there really wasn't much else to do. But also I just remember the first night we got drunk and I had a really good time and his parents had this cheap whiskey, ancient age. And it was like $10 for a half gallon or something. I drank it. I was able to hold it down to like these shots. And ever since then, when I got back from that trip, I would go buy my own bottle outside of the weekend. That's when that bottle got placed on the counter there. And that's when I knew I drank differently than everybody else, or at least it was starting to be that way. I could still sell it that, Hey, I have a job. I'm, 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 I'm in school, this, this, and that. And so I'm obviously just having fun because I'm young. But none of my other friends had a bottle sitting on their counter. I did. And people made comments about it. They weren't, you know, they weren't negative. They're just like, whoa, you're drinking right now? Wow, you can't. That's in, that's crazy. But um, that kind of went on. Nothing really changed. Everything was okay. But then it went from just having that bottle there to needing that bottle. So I remember waking up in the morning. I was getting ready for work. I worked at a doctor's office and I would work at 6.30 in the morning. And so at 6, of course, I'd be drinking. A lot of times you don't plan right. You run out of alcohol. And there was only one store that was a 24-hour gas station that sold liquor that I knew of. And so at 6 a.m., they would start selling booze because obviously from 2 a.m. to 6, you stop. And so I remember I would have to add that to my drive time plan, 
to get over there by six or after six so I could get the alcohol and then get over to my job at 630. And that was when it really kicked off because that's when that's when I switched to those little bottles, the little airplane shots. And I did that because it was easy to take the shot while you were driving, toss the shot bottle out the window, no evidence, no nothing. You know, everything else is closed, put away. And that that is who I was for, I guess, five years then. Anywhere I went, I had those bottles with me. I would go into the store and buy 10 of them at a time. And then throughout the day, I'd be stopping at other liquor stores, grabbing three or four here and there. And I would have a little ice chest because in the summers, you know, you can't be drinking 90 degree vodka. And so I would, I would have a little ice chest in the front seat of my car and I would keep them in there. And as I went, I would toss them out. And at work, I would get to work. And I knew that I had to be there for eight hours, so I'd have eight shots. And every hour, pretty much on the hour, I would walk out to my car, take a shot, and walk back in. And uh, that was pretty much my life. That was, But, you know, it was crazy because I was like, I'm just having fun. I haven't gotten in trouble. I'm young. And that, that right there was enough to settle any thought that I was going, that I had a problem, that I was doing this more than others. And, you know, my, at this time it was on, you know, my friends knew and they had, you know, they commented and I just, I almost wore it like a badge of honor though. Like, yeah, I can drink way more than you. I can drink at this time and I'm still fine. I started drinking at 7am. I'm drinking with you guys tonight at 9pm and this guy's passed out over here. I, I was a little, I was proud actually that I could drink that amount. And, and yeah, I, I, I was just lucky though, too, because I was pretty functional. And so as I drank that much on a regular basis, I was at work, I was doing my job. I had never had any pushback or never was questioned. Luckily I made it, obviously I was driving around and I, I, I didn't get any DUIs or anything like that. And so now I'm like, I'm not thinking I'm lucky. I'm thinking I'm good at the time. Yeah, I could, I can do this. Maybe not everybody processes alcohol the way I do. So therefore I can drink a ton more than anybody else. And that's okay because they're, that's their limit. This is my limit. Nothing wrong with me. Uh, so that, that's the way I, that's the way I did it for a while. Then any event that was supposed to be fun and that alcohol was okay, turned into like this sacred thing for me almost. It was, it's, it's kind of gross looking back at how important those days were. So now this is where I'm talking about St. Patrick's Day and uh, Cinco de Mayo. And uh, we had the Sacramento River that came through Chico. And so that float in the river was a big deal. Like on Labor Day, there would be like 2000 people out there on this beach and on, on their tubes. And so me and my buddies, I had one buddy that he's probably an alcoholic. I haven't seen him in a while, but back then he he would drink like me, like we lived together and he would have beers in the shower so that, you know, I, we, we were, uh, we were definitely meant to be. And uh, we had this tubing thing down. I I've said this before. And I, I think back and it's like, my happiest moments were 
tubing with my friends because it was like you buy a 30 pack he buys a 30 pack and then whoever else is coming get what you get because this 30 packs for me because i'm sure i'm going to give a few out i might drop a few the other 20 are going down me no matter what and uh so you know you had your tube you had your floating ice chest popped your beers in there it was nice out he had his little blue pad or his ipod player and and we had it all set up and and you tube down the river you got down to the little beach out inlet and uh spent the afternoon there playing games in the water drinking 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 i loved it i look forward to that more than anything there's nothing more important to me than making one of those trips at at that time that because that gave you the excuse no one's questioning the beers that you're drinking but i wasn't like trying to hide it so i didn't need an excuse but it just that was all i wanted to do and so to be in those positions just made me so happy because the rest of life i'm drinking through it but you're not supposed to be doing that i was pretty good i I, so i thought of course so i thought i um have my little tricks and my little whatever you know oh if you drink smart water it has the electrolytes so after every like five shots i need to make sure i down a full bottle of smart water it'll put me back it'll keep me going through the day because it's you know it's hard to drink 20 shots a day and keep your head on and yeah so that was a five-year run and now we lead up to about 26 years old and i'm just doing the same thing living the same cycle and uh i had a girlfriend for the last five years of this four years of this we we met when i was about 22 we dated till about 26 and uh she's not an alcoholic and she loved me and loves me today and was concerned of course what's going on you know and she's aware more or less of alcoholism i mean just because she's pretty sure her dad's an alcoholic untreated and so she's seen that the way that how you know how i was acting it it was not new to her and so we tried to take a week off or whatever and you know i would make it a week sometimes supplemented though with other other things never just clean and uh and then before i go to 20 so i'm 26 right now and i had let's about two weeks with no alcohol but no no alcohol and we go on a cruise we had planned this cruise we were going on this cruise and i wasn't going to drink on this cruise it was just seven day mexico cruise and uh i get on you know you load up you haven't taken off yet you get your room and everything and everyone's on the deck checking out the place and everybody's drinking beer right everyone has a beer and i don't and i i i had been so I was 100% sure I was not going to drink on this cruise. I already had, you know, whatever, 14 days, 15 days. I was going to add to it right now, and we were going to have a good time. I remember sitting on the deck on one of those lounge chairs with my sunglasses on, crying. I mean, not out loud crying, but tears were actually coming out of my eyes because everyone else could have beer, and I couldn't. And that was, I knew who I was pretty much before that point but i hadn't been i hadn't had it put to my face that way it was like you need a break because you're going too hard this you drink more than others okay that's true but in this moment when tears were running down my face because i couldn't have a beer 
I knew I was an alcoholic. I, I didn't know exactly what an alcoholic was. I didn't know the definition, but I knew I needed alcohol. I, I knew that in order to survive and to live in this world, I needed alcohol every day. And uh, I remember like pleading, you know, she wasn't going to tell me what to do, but of course she had expectations and, you know, and, and wants. And so we talked about it and, uh, and she's like, is this going to ruin your trip? This and that. I'm like, yes, you know, let's just, let's make an agreement. Let's just keep it at beer. And then, you know, we'll just, I'll just drink beer. I won't have any shots or hard liquor. And then we can have a good time on this trip and yada, yada, yada. And so she agrees and it's just beer. It's not just beer. And so I remember I would go to the bar. They would come to you on the cruise, right? Hey, can I get you something? Can I get you something? I always say no. So I go to the, I was like, I'll just go get it from the bar. It'll be faster. I go to the bar, of course, double shot vodka, knock it back one beer back out to the lounge chairs. I just did that the whole time. I mean, I spent like probably $700 on alcohol and that's just an estimate. I don't remember, but it was an insane amount. It was the biggest extra cost and it was just so disgusting. I remember one, one of those days I was so drunk that I had to sleep off part of the day in Mexico. And it was like, we didn't even get, we got a half a day because of me. And it was like, this, this is a problem. And I, and so we get back from the trip and I make it about another six months of just this day to day, hiding it, kind of telling her I'm not doing it, doing it behind her back. And, and then finally gets to the point where she's like, she doesn't give me an ultimatum, but she pretty much did. And it was pretty much alcohol or her. And at this time I picked alcohol. I said, we can't, I, we can't be together anymore. I need to figure out me, what's best for me, blah, blah, blah. And I picked alcohol over my today wife, you know, and it's, it, it, it was disgusting. And so I, I go my way. She kind of goes her way. And a few months later, I'm like, I can't do this. I cannot do this anymore. I cannot live like this. I'm drunk all the time. I'm getting sloppy now. Like it's catching up to me or something. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm hating every day except for the first 20 minutes of the day when I drive to the liquor store, I take those first two shots and I drive wherever I'm going. Anything after that is just all downhill shit show. But the, you know, that first part though, that, that doing it, getting it and getting that first buzz, I could, I could, I was happy with that. That was about 20 minutes of my entire day. And uh, the rest of the day sucked. And I hated who I was. And I hated everything about the choices I was making, the life I was living, and just unhappy. And uh, I didn't want to drink anymore. I needed what I thought at this time was a break. I needed a break. So in 2014, I go to rehab. And I do 60 days. Hazelden Rehab in Oregon. And it was great. It was this perfect separation from the real world, clean out, get clean, you know, clear my head. And they're like, you know, look around, look around, whatever. One out of 10 of you is not going to make it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, I'll be that one then, I guess. And uh, they're like, you know, 90 and 90. So I come back, I do my 90 and 90. And I then I'm like, this is, I'm, this is all right. Life without alcohol is okay for now. Uh, I'll, I'll drink one day when I'm older and I have responsibilities and I can't be a drunk. 
And, uh, but for now I'm fine. So I stopped going to AA and I stay what I would call now dry for seven years. So from 2014 to yeah, 2021, I'm not drinking and, uh, and life is okay. Life is pretty good. Actually. You know, I, we get, I get married. I mean, back with my, that girlfriend who's now my wife, life is good. I get a good job. We move here to Sacramento. We get married. I have a kid in 2019. Everything's great, you know? And uh, I didn't really think about alcohol during this time. And then uh, I didn't need AA, but I, I got this handled. And uh, about around 2020, late 2020, early 21, I start thinking, look at this. Look at all this I've done. I'm in control. Maybe I can drink again. Maybe I can have a few beers. Because who would drink like I used to when they got to drive their kid around or when they got to show up to a real job or when you got to pay your mortgage? And this took about six months of this first thought kind of coming in my head to any action ever taking place. And I, uh, yeah, I thought about it for a long time. I talked about it with my wife and uh, she clearly wasn't, she didn't know about AA and any of the teachings and anything that we learn. And so she's like, well, I would like that for you. You know, I want you to be happy. I want you to be able to do what you want to do. So I'm put, I'm bouncing this off her. I'm softening her up for a while. And, and I didn't realize that I was doing that at the time, but it was just, my brain started running again when that idea was like, okay, this is maybe, maybe, maybe six months later, I finally make a decision that I'm going to drink. I, the thing that held me back for those six months was that initial sobriety date that I was proud of. I was proud of, Hey, I've been sober seven years. Hey, that's what I, you know, I took my friends and family and people were proud of me for that. And, um, and then finally I was like, I don't, I don't really care about that date that much anymore. Uh, that was the last, that was the last thing that I held on to before I, when I let go, which allowed me to then be willing to actually take action on drinking. And I made this deal. I was like, okay, on this day, Saturday, I will have six beers and that's it. And then on Sunday, I'll drink again, but we will determine what that amount is. And then after Sunday, I'll just stop. We won't do it for a couple months. And then we'll reassess and see if this is something I can do like a regular person. So Saturday comes around, I drink six beers. Didn't even really get that much of a buzz. I was so pissed off. I was so pissed off. And I was like, it didn't click in my head, even at that moment, that if that's all, you know, I couldn't enjoy a couple beers. I was looking for that high and I couldn't get that. Uh, because I spread them out over the day when I should have just pounded all six of them. And I, I was like, this is not okay. So the next day it's eight beers and two shots. And somehow I made that number and I did it. And so I took the two shots and I drank the beers. And I tried to drink them a little faster and boom, I had, I would, I would say I was even a little drunk that day. And that was nice. I felt good. I missed that. I missed that feeling. It was like my old friend came back and I hadn't seen him for a while. And it was I just reunited and uh but i was like okay but i gotta be in control of this so this goes on for a while where now okay i didn't drink and it actually lasted two months where i didn't or whatever deal we made and then it was like okay i'll do three beers and then that's it and so for for a little bit i actually did this i followed the rules that i laid out to my wife and then all of a sudden one day it was like three beers, but then I'm going to, let me grab two shots while I'm there, knock those back, come home, have the three beers. And then 
quickly. It just went to, all right, I'm going to go get gas and this grocery item or whatever. Boom, three shots. And so now, now, oh, the old action is back and, and he's just sneaky and dirty and gross because that's just, that's just who I was. And it was like, we had, I had two kids now and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I just need some quiet time. I'm going to go do drive real quick and get this and whatever. Let me get a Red Bull. That was the thing. I, if I really drank as many Red Bulls as I said I was going to get, oh my goodness, I would not have slept for six months, I guess. But it was like, I just came up with these things and it was just sneaking it, sneaking it, sneaking it. And right, you know, for a while it was every other day in the afternoon only. And then the next boom, I'm back. I'm back. I'm driving over to the liquor store to buy those mini airplane bottles first thing in the morning and I'm back to 10 to 20 a day just depending on what I had to do or where I had to be and it was like oh my god how did I get here how did I get here and I'm stuck again I'm stuck I'm exactly who I was seven and a half years ago in the exact same desperate place and it was scary but I didn't I didn't want to call myself out and tell on myself because I knew I'd have to stop. I would lose trust. And also I'd have to stop. I didn't want to stop. I wanted to stop. I didn't know what I wanted. And so this went on for a while. <sighs> the, the, I had a rule. Never bring the alcohol home. Because then you could always talk your way out of any situation when there's no evidence. And um, one day it was like, you can't leave eight times a day. This is not going to work. So I finally started bringing alcohol home. And I swear within like, Six days, five days, she went out there and she found it. I had it in the garage in the toolbox, like so pathetic. And she found it. She's like, he's acting different. I don't know what the deal is. I don't want to violate his privacy, but I feel like I have to do this. And so she went out, she found it, and she calls me out. And the first thing I said was, you didn't throw it away, did you? And she's like, no, it's right there on the counter. And I was like, okay. You know, I know I'm trying to clean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll fix this. I'm going to go. I'll go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll never drink again. I promise. I promise. But I'm going to finish that. And I finished it. That right there, right then I finished it. It was probably about five shots in a water bottle and I just drank it back. And then I was like, okay, now I'll never do this again. You know? And so I just still, that was on the, I had to finish it. Had to. We decided together, it was like, okay, you got to go check out some AA meetings, this and that. And it was it was just an agreement to just make sure we could move on in this relationship and I still be part of this family. And, and so it was like two AA meetings a week and I'm going to them and I did not want to be there. I didn't need to go back to AA. I just now, okay, now I know I can't drink. So I won't drink. I know it now. And so I'm going to these two AA meetings a week and I, I just feel like horrible i mean i I have to raise my hand for the 30 days because i mean if i'm going to go i'm going to be honest and so even though i don't want to be there and it's like but I, I wanted to raise my hand and be like i have 30 days but i had seven years and it's like that doesn't matter you're back and this is where you can and you know what i look back now today uh almost two years into this new sobriety and i, I didn't have what i have today then but i had the time but that was it. I just had the time. And so I'm going to these meetings. I don't want to be at. And and it went this way for about a month or two. And then I'm sitting at a meeting one day and I'm like, I got to do this for real. I have to. It's not going to work. And I'm going to be angry. 
and I don't want to be angry and these people are happy. Let me try it for real. And so I found this guy who was extremely serious about this program. Uh, I heard what he had to say. I liked it. I approached him. I asked him to be my sponsor. I knew when I took those steps to just walk up to this guy and ask him that this was real. If I'm going to even put this person out, make him meet, ask him to meet me for coffee, I have to follow through. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'm ready. And I did it. And, you know, it's, it was the best thing I ever did. I mean, now I know <laughs> I am an alcoholic, of course. And without this program, I will drink again. I proved it. The, the stakes were high this time. Two kids wife, you know, all the things that mattered. And I was do the thing about it is the first time I was in AA and in rehab, I looked at the people inside those rooms and said, I am not like you. You did this. You did that. I would never do that. Wow. And then time goes on. I relapse. I come back, I look around these rooms, and I'm like, holy shit, I am you. I did do that. I have done that. And I probably would end up doing that. You know? And it was like this just switch that flipped. I was like, it was because I could chalk it up to being young. I could chalk it up to being lucky and never being caught. That I really thought I was different. And then having kids, still being a drunk showed me that those kids would have been in the car with me. I would have showed up at an event. I would have, it would, it was all going downhill and I would have done all those things. I used to turn my nose up at before. And that was a real wake up call for me. That was probably the biggest, Hey man, sit down, shut up. You belong here. That could have happened. And, and it changed everything too, because then I could start learning and actually growing and taking what I needed from these people while sharing what I have too. So I get in, I get in for real with both feet. I have a sponsor. I start meeting him weekly. We start going through the book. We start going through the steps. And at this time, at the beginning right there, I lost all the trust with my wife. She was nervous. She was actually nervous to leave my children with me alone because she didn't know what would happen. And although I was like, how dare you feel that way inside? She has every right to feel that way. I mean, duh. Yeah. Would you you don't want to leave your kids with someone who's drunk? And and I, I was like, but I'm but I'm functional. That was my thing. Like it was just such a joke. And being here, working these steps, staying in the program, talking to my sponsor, my wife has no problem leaving these kids with me today. She she's a nurse. She works 12-hour shifts. She's gone from before they wake up till after they go to bed three times a week. And I'm here with them, just us, all day. And never once is she, oh, you know, is this going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? Is this too much? It's, thank you know, I'm so thankful that you can be with them all day. And, I mean, just that is amazing. The trust that I had lost to the trust that I had regained, showing my actions and letting her see that I'm not that same person. And 
that I'm actually here to do it for real. And so today with this program, I have this family. I have love and trust. And my parents, they were totally destroyed by the relapse. They're coming around. They're proud of me. And my mom sees me with my boys. And she's like, wow, you're, you know, gives me credit. Of course. She's like, you're such, you know, you're so patient. You're such a good dad. And I get praise from them. And it's nobody's walking on eggshells anymore. And I'm happier. I remember here's just a little wrap up of how I'm different. And then I think I'm going to be done. Before I relapsed in 2021, I had two boys. One boy and one on the way. And life was crazy. I felt like I needed quiet time. I felt like I needed my alone time. I, it was, I was just kind of like, like tight. I was not happy. I was happy to have my family, but I was not happy living day-to-day life. And that was me being dry. No program. Contemplating the idea of alcohol at some point. I needed to like go away for a night so I could have just quiet and just watch TV or something. And instead of taking care of my family. And that thought was reoccurring. I had I'd actually done that before. I went away. She had the kids or the kid. It, it happened before with one and then with two kids. And I would go spend the night somewhere, come back, definitely not feel like rejuvenated. It was like, I shouldn't, I need to go away for a week or something. And then that was a reoccurring feeling. Fast forward to today. I was just telling my wife that in over a year, I have not had the urge, the feeling, the desire to go be by myself somewhere so I could refuel or or decompress. And uh, that's because I'm happy with my stressful, busy life with my crazy two-year-old and my crazy four-year-old. I'm content today. Each and every day, I'm thankful. I'm happy. And uh, that's how I know I have to stay active in this program because the almost two years I have now blows those seven years of dry time out of the water. And I know I'm one of y'all. And so with that, I think I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you. Thank you, Ashton. You're content and enjoying life and you're crazy two boys and you have two more that are going to be here in a few weeks. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm really excited now about that. It's like we're getting like nervous, but excited. So for our listeners, you have two boys, twins on the way. Six weeks, right? Yes. Two twins that'll be here mid-November. So actually, by the time this goes live, it'll be November 23rd, they will be here. Yeah, yeah, I'll have four kids by the time anybody's listening to this. That's crazy. Four boys, four years and under. Oh, that's just <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So for the newcomer, hearing about your seven years of being a dry, not having a program, and then two years or, you know, year and a half, whatever, now that you have. Oh, I love your sobriety date, by the way. That's the yeah, best sobriety you. date ever. I know. I know. <laughs> two, 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 two. That's right. All right. Um, it's even fun to say. <laughs> 
So what is it about the program that makes your sobriety different this time? And I'm, I know it's not just like one thing, but looking back at the work you've done with, I think we can say your sponsor's name, right? Gary? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Gary. So yeah. Gary, who shared on here, I think he was one of the top first 10 speakers um, on Keep Coming Back. And you're going to be episode 185. So he wow. was one of my originals. Um, we actually did it in person. But anyway, so Gary's this old timer who I tease all the time because when he shares, he lectures, which I do. I appreciate his wisdom and his time. And he has 43 years, I believe now. Um, but what what is it exactly that has made this sobriety or what things have made this sobriety different? Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I would, I believe being part of something um, that I believe I am a part of or should be a part of gives me kind of strength to just continue in a normal capacity. Uh, I believe that this time, although it did take me believing that I belonged versus not believing that I was part of this, but doing the steps, you know, talking to my sponsor on a regular basis, showing up at the meetings, you know, you, you hear what you're going through. You hear what you're thinking and feeling. There is no other place in the world I could go and tell somebody some of my thoughts and some of my even wants and them not turn their nose up at me or be just completely put off. And and then I go into a room, like an all men's meeting of 60 guys, and every single one of them knows exactly what I'm talking about. And it's like you would any you walk through life being this outcast or this you know odd man out, and then you walk into here and you're just one of the crew. And it's like I didn't realize I needed that kind of backing to appreciate, be confident and love myself. And with that type of support and that reminder, a big, big thing is like, it's, which is insane that you live some of your darkest days and your worst life with alcohol and fighting the battle of drinking or not drinking, but then you can forget when things get good and, and you're separated long enough, you can forget, which is outrageous. And, and this keeps it right up front. It keeps it right up front. And it reminds me over and over that there is no situation where life would be better as an active drinker than as almost probably the worst sober person, you know? And, and, uh, that's big. That's really what it was that allowed me to take that first drink this last time was that I forgot. And, uh, this, this being part of a group this like-minded group with the same problem, it's just so comforting and supporting, you know? And I think that's what's allowed me to then grow and be here in a family capacity and, uh, and happy with that. That was a very thorough answer. So I'm nice. loving this whole notion of, first you started with like accountability, steps, meetings, then you can be your true self and be honest in the rooms. And then they know what you're talking about. And you brought it back to this community 
that you're fully a part of and you match, but also that community allows you to love yourself and, and, and then do esteemable acts and be like a father today and a husband that you're proud of where you were struggling to do the basics when you only had one kid. I know. I know. I I would have been so scared if this was a few years ago and we were embarking on four. And uh, today I'm like, I'm just stoked about it. I'm not concerned that I'm not going to, you know, be able to handle it. You know, a lot of it is seeing these guys, though, these guys that are older than me with way more time than me that run this business, have this happy life. Their wife loves them. And it's like, so this this is the key. You know, how how many guys do you got to sit down with or hear from before you kind of believe, OK, they're not, you know, feeding me a bunch of crap here. And it took a few guys, you know, I definitely wasn't <laughs> believing off the first woman, but it's 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 a fact. You know, this is not maybe it'll work. You know, it's a fact. So, yeah, I definitely see what I want in there. Yeah, I feel like I can bring anything to the table too with a with a women's meeting. Whatever I'm going through with my kids or my husband or my body, I can bring it and somebody there will have been through it and I have support and empathy and wisdom at my fingertips from somebody who actually cares about how things turn out for me. I imagine you get the same thing in your stag meetings. Yes, absolutely. And it, it's pretty amazing, like living in this world where everyone really just kind of, in most cases, only care about themselves, trying to better themselves, get what they can, the most that they can. But then we turn to these, we go into these rooms and it's like the exact opposite. And it's, and it's all genuine and all real and all honest. You don't even really have to qualify. I mean, like verify that uh, ahead of time. Going in there, you know that you're good. And that's pretty amazing. There's How many places can you say that that exists? And uh, not that many is the answer to that. <laughs> I have been to meetings where it maybe is not as wonderful as you just described, but that's very uh-huh. rare. And if listeners ever run into one of those, keep going. There's a gazillion right. meetings out there and you just find another one because most of them are everything you 100%. just described. Yeah, Gary has a two two rule minimum. He says, or two rule, two time rule. And it's, you know, you give it two shots. If it's not your thing, you don't feel comfortable, cross it off the list and go to the next one. We have so many at our fingertips that we are very lucky with the amount of meetings we have available. Yeah, don't do what Gary does. He go, He tells you how you're doing it wrong. <laughs> oh no, I, I, no, I'm, I'm not kidding. there yet. I'm, I'm not kidding. confident there. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Oh, $12 to H and I, but there's 24 of us here. I'm not coming back to this meeting. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have a couple uh, more but, questions. Sure. Yeah. Well, I just have one commentary and then I have two, a couple more questions. I would totally drink 90 degree vodka. I'm just saying, I don't know why you needed an ice chest in the car. Yeah, that that's fair. You know, if it was, or I forgot the cooler, I'm sure I would have drank it. <laughs> Tell me about your that's higher a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about your higher power, Ashton. Okay. Yeah. So that's, abs- I guess it always is, but it's definitely a work in progress for me. I'm not against religion, not really for religion. I'm open. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything. And so, but there's so much more out there in the universe that is a power that's greater than me. And so 
while I haven't identified a specific thing or it's for me, it's like, I feel that I am closer to something, you know, a higher power than I've ever been before than I was six months ago. But it's like, it's still very much developing where I'm in this constant contact and, uh, without actually working at it to like turn things over and praying to. So it is, it's still very much, I don't, I wouldn't say a gray area. I would say it's more, it's more colored than, than gray, but it's hard for me to, to be so confident about a power greater than myself. Like where's, you know, they're like, I, me and my higher power, I turn this over to my higher power and I know they're going to work it out for me. And it's like, I'm, I believe that I'm open to it. Let, let this, let this relationship continue to develop as I progress. And, uh, and so it's still, it's still new for me. I think, uh, you hear some people say like, this crazy spiritual experience. But then I get reminded that every day I wake up today and I am happy without a drink and I'm happy with my life. That's a pretty spiritual experience right there. So I'm not going to say that I haven't had, but I also haven't had this like giant click where it's like, yep, that's my higher power. I'm connected and I'm, you know, hundred percent positive. It's it's still forming for me. It's very much a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. I love that honesty of that answer. Thanks. I am way more open to the idea today than I ever was. And I'm trying to line up the good things that do happen and 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 be aware and recognize, hey, look at that. I kind of just was okay with this and this worked out or or I'm trying to move away from the coincidences and be like, oh, maybe this was and and as time goes on and as days pass, it it's easier and easier, but it's definitely something I'm still very aware of that, you know, it, it needs some developing. And that probably would be um a little bit on me and the amount of effort I've put towards actually developing and evolving that relationship. Um if we look at it. Eh, there could be some more work done there on my part. So, you know, and I know a lot of it does form and 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 uh, connect when you put that work in, which I've I've experienced with the rest of the program. That uh, I could probably pump it up a little bit, my output or my attempt. You know, he's just so likable. I have to say the happiest people I see in the, I think that's a great idea. And I think the happiest people I see in the rooms are the ones that have a really strong spiritual foundation. They seem calm, connected in the flow of life. You know, they seem to accept and surrender and, and go along life smoother. Um, Definitely. I envy that today. Well, you just gave yourself the avenue there. It's like, oh, I should probably put more energy into that whole step Absolutely. 11 prayer and meditation. I guess if I want the rewards from it, I can. And you're already willing and you're already like, yeah. So uh, that's that's all good stuff. I know cool. Gary and Gary yes. doesn't play a really hard spiritual card. 
I've heard him share. He doesn't play it hard. I imagine he doesn't sponsor hard. He doesn't push hard on that. So I was doing it. No, he wants. Yeah, he wants you to. Yeah, let that develop. He, he's going to start putting. I know he's going to like require some of these prayers and and like some <laughs> of the actions. But but it's like he's like this thing doesn't come overnight. I can't force that type of thing. But you also need to be around long enough to get to see the miracles that do take place. And with that things will align. And so, yeah, he, he's not a hard pusher, which I appreciate because then I'd have to like either feed him some BS mm. or be like, it's not working. Right. And so like, I think I'm, I'm so, I'm so lucky that I have him as my sponsor. Oh yeah, no, I mean, it was the best decision I could have ever made. Yeah. And that he took me in. Yeah. What's hilarious and, is you came in like, I'm going to half-ass this and make the wife happy. And then you turned and chose the toughest one in the room. I know. I know. It, that's how I, I'm all or nothing. I'm always all or nothing. <laughs> I have a problem with moderation or anything in between. <laughs> is there anything that you're thinking of now that you left out that you'd like to share? Um, story-wise, not so much, but uh, you, I, I didn't really address any newcomer, uh, but you did bring that up, and I, I appreciate that. And just thinking to myself, being new is difficult, and do you belong? It's a hard thing to find out because at first you don't want to be part of this group. That's understandable. I don't think anyone like you know we've heard this many times. I didn't come here because I wanted to. I came here because I had to, and it's like normal people don't come here at all. So if you're questioning, am I a drunk? Am I an alcoholic? Do I have a problem? You probably do because normal people don't question that. That's an easy, like, that's easy. Yep. You probably belong here. This is one of the, this group is probably one of the few groups where if you think you do belong, you definitely do. And uh, the quicker you jump in and get started, the quicker those promises can come true, which sound far-fetched, but they happen all the time. And, and it doesn't take that long. That's the, the best part. You don't have to have 43 years. You don't have to have a decade. You just got to get in and get started. And amazing things start to happen as long as you're willing. And that's the main key. Just do it. And then you also, another thing is the, the uh, higher power. A lot of people come in and see the word God and they're shut off. And that was definitely me. And I still was like, okay, you know what? Let's just try and just do what you're told and see what happens. Cause I, I still don't really love that aspect at the time, but I'm, I'm open to it. And that that's the step right there. That's the key. Are you open and are you willing? And then the rest can materialize as long as you just keep pushing forward. And so I, that can't be a discouragement, and 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 I imagine it holds a lot of people back. Just get started. Just start going through it. Just be honest, and amazing things will start to happen. For more information, read the first 164 pages of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, or visit keepcomingback.net. <laughs>